Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, for the songs that have been sung, for an opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we come to this time in the service where we declare your word, we ask that our hearts and minds will be ready to receive your word, that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that it will grow and that we will become a mighty oak in your kingdom. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are starting a brand new series. The title of this series is Dysfunctional. Now, when we hear that word dysfunctional, there's a lot of things that go through our minds. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on a particular family and look at how they functioned abnormally. So we're going to look at dysfunction using the old story, but it's still the same problem. It's old stories, but it's the same problems. My opening statement today is that God promised to bless all people through Abram and his family, but Abram still makes some bad choices. However, God is not deterred. Likewise, we are blessed, but still make bad decisions sometimes. God's grace means even though we fail, God still fulfills his promises. We can face our brokenness and still see God working out his purposes. We can face our brokenness and still see God working out his purposes. As I said before, this is a brand new series. And so our first episode of this series, Dysfunctional, dysfunctional Old Stories, Same Problems, and I subtitled this one, In Spite of Me. In Spite of Me. Our definitions are dysfunction. Dysfunction is abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction within a group. Let me hit y'all with that one more time. Dysfunction is abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction within a group. Spite. Spite is petty, ill will, or hatred with the disposition to irritate, annoy, or to thwart. I'm going to hit that one one more time. Spite is petty, ill will, or hatred with the disposition to irritate, annoy, or thwart. I have a good one. I have one more definition. The last definition today is promise. Promise in general is a declaration written or verbal made by one person to another which binds the person who makes it to do or to forbear to do it. So one, I want to do a little extra commentary on this. So in spite of means even though I'm petty, I'm ill-willed, I'm got hatred, I'm God still does things for me. Even if I have a disposition to be an irritable, curmudgeon, annoy, and thwart everybody else's optimism, God still shows himself in our lives. We're going to be in Genesis, the 12th chapter. Now, to set all this up, I'm going to have to do some reading um, 
So we're going to do 20 verses today. And then we're going to, we're, the rest of this series, we're going to kind of back down a little bit on the amount of verses. But today, I have to set all this up so you can see the dysfunctional function of the function that's dysfunctional so that we can see how dysfunctional the function is. Don't ask me to say that again, because I got, I got tripped up, so I had to say it twice. But if you look at the book of beginnings called Genesis, the first 11 chapters of that book is one part of the book. And then verses, I mean, chapters 12 to the end are another part of that book. Chapter 1 through 11, we talk about the creation. We talk about the, uh, the, uh, the flood. We talk about the Tower of Babel. And then, after that, we go to chapter number 12. Chapter number 12, verse number 1, from the English Standard Version says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was, 75, Abram was at 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to a place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreth. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east and Ai on the, I mean Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Nebgeth. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and said the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all 
that he had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our hearts in Jesus' name. And so, as we look at what's going on, we find Abram, who is in a, another land, and Abram's father passes away, and when his father passes away, he hears a voice, and this voice tells him, if you follow me, I am going to make you great. So Abram begins to go where he's told to go. He had this promise that he received from God. He's running with this promise. He's excited about this promise. He did like the Beverly Hillbillies. He loaded up the truck and began to move to his Beverly Hills, that is. And as he begins to move, he realizes how God has said, I'm going to make you a great nation. So he had this willingness to serve God. God has told you that he's going to do some things great in your life, and you got excited, and you jumped out of the cannon and started running, and then when you took three steps when it didn't happen, you kind of bent at the knees a little bit and said, what's going on? But God has a process that he puts all of us through so that we know what it is and who it is that did all this for us. So this promise that God gave him was, was the seed, was the foundation of what we call the Abrahamic covenant. This is the agreement that God made with Abram to say, if you do this, then this is the result that you're going to get. So it was a promise that he was going to have descendants. It was a promise that they were going to be great. It was a promise that he was going to have great influence. It was a promise that he was going to be a blessing. A blessing means he's going to not only be good, but he's going to be greatly enhanced because of God in his life. Amen. And so Abram had all this, and he was excited about all this, and he began to walk in all this. And as he begins to walk in this, he, he realized that God was doing something in his life and on his behalf. And so Abram says, let's load up. Lot heard his uncle talking. He says, uncle, can I go with you? He said, yeah, come on. So they begin to go on. They go to the land of Canaan. And, they, and when they get to the land of Canaan, his people are already there. And so Abram got a little discouraged and God said, no, I already told you, this your land. We have a thing around now called squatters. I don't know if y'all ever heard of a squatter. A squatter is a person that, like when you go on a long vacation, if you don't properly do your house right, they'll move into your house and they'll try to act like it's their own house. You know, uh, uh, if after a certain time, a person occupies a, a, a dwelling, they can actually petition for the title of that dwelling. Now, my grandmother, she wasn't a squatter, but what happened was when my grandfather got killed, somehow or some way, they forgot to, start to, to, to transfer it over, and so when he passed away, 
she never, she never paid a mortgage on the house she was in. And they, they had just bought it, like, what, about two years, Mom? About two or three years? It was, and so she didn't pay. And after 20 years, it's too late. So she lived in that house all that time, and God bless her, she ain't had to pay no mortgage. I was praying for that. I'd be, I'd be like, Lord, let, let the mortgage people forget. I keep forgetting that my grandfather got killed in order for this to happen. I don't want that part to happen, you know. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, I sidetracked. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, but see, it can happen. You can, you can go to something, and what we do, we get discouraged because it looks like somebody's already doing what God called us to do. But if God called you to do it, then guess what? He's going to make provision for you to do it. Sometimes we allow ourselves to get dissuaded. We allow ourselves to feel like, well, somebody already doing it. What that mean? If God called you, that means he's got something for you. Okay, I'm not. Okay. So. This is what happened. He's in Canaan. Everything's looking good. God's made the promise. He's validated the promise. And he said, hey, this is your land. But then it comes the next portion of that chapter. There's a famine. A famine means there's lack in the land. Abram decides, wait a minute, we ain't got none. Let's go to Egypt. Egypt was... The, the, the central, the, the, the place where everybody came, it was the wealthy place. And in case y'all don't know uh, world geography, Egypt is in Africa. <laughs> and everybody would go to Egypt because Egypt was the place to be. So he goes to Egypt and says, hey, babe, you know, you look real good. And... Um, these Egyptians, they ain't no joke. Them jokers will kill you in a minute. So let's just say you my sister, and then that way um, they won't kill me, and then we can stay together. Can you do that for me? Yeah, dear, I'll do that for you. All right. No. <laughs> That's why you ain't in my story right now. All right. So here comes the first signs of Abram's dysfunction. And it becomes this major dysfunction in his family. He, he becomes fearful. And fear can stop you from going forward into what God has called for you to do. First thing he fears, he fears for the survival of his family. That's why he moved to Egypt. God didn't tell him to move to Egypt. He moved to Egypt. Then he started worrying, my wife looks so good. The Egyptians are going to take her and I'm going to get killed. I don't think he was more worried about them taking his wife than he was about him getting killed. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's, so suddenly the man who left everything behind, just left all the promise behind, is willing to jeopardize that promise by giving up his wife. Y'all get this? See, in order for him to have... Descendants, he needs a wife. But he's saying, I, you just go with the Egyptians so I can live. And, and, and yeah, see, now y'all understand how dysfunctional we can get. We can become so, we, we have to, we use the word so, so blatantly now. So, so we just throw it out so casually. Uh, we talk about the word narcissist. A narcissist is a person that focuses on themselves and manipulates everyone around them for their own personal benefit. Now, not everybody that does stuff self-centered is a narcissist. Right. But we just generally throw it out there and just say, you're just being a narcissist. N 
not, no, no, not necessarily. Some folks can be like Abraham. I don't think he was in a narcissistic mentality. He was just saying, it looked like these folks would kill me, and so I need to protect myself. I don't think it was in the narcissistic type of way. Just a little mental health thing to throw at you. And for a time, Abraham's manipulation is successful. The boys see, see uh, Sarai, they like, man, that girl look good. We need to tell the Pharaoh. They tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh like, bring that girl to the house. I'm going to marry her. Gets up there, he says, hey, for, for, for your sister, I'm going to give you all this stuff. He gives them all this stuff. Abram like, yes, everything is going good. But then God said, we ain't having this nonsense. Stop, hold up, wait a minute. God says, Pharaoh, you know why all your, all your house is sick? Because you got another man's wife. And now Pharaoh, unlike, he ain't trying to justify. Now he said, who? And he said, he said that woman you just brought. That's somebody else's wife. He, he fixed it quickly. He said, why didn't you just tell me? So God inter intervenes, and the deception, the, the manipulation, now it's all blown out of He said, you know what? Get your butt out of Egypt. You come in here with all that, all that nonsense. And so where we, where we have to realize, as we look at this dysfunction, that sometimes... What it may look like is going to be dangerous to us if we trust God. If God has called us into that position, notice this. If God has called us into the position, then he's going to protect us. But when we abandon what God has told us to do and go do something on ourselves, sometimes we're on our own for a time so God can say, I told you to stay over here. Don't go over there. It's like when you told your kids, you said, listen, you sit in this chair and don't touch that oven because the oven's hot. I got something in there cooking. You go over there and you're doing something else. I almost guarantee you eight. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to be nicer. Six out of ten times, pretty soon you're going to hear, ah! Because that joking done went over there and touched that oven. Right? Because you said, stay right here. Don't go over there. They'll go over there. I know we used to have uh, hear the thing about don't go in this person's yard because this person. But. You just had to go in that person's yard. You'd be sitting there just tap, tap, tapping your foot. See, I'm in that yard. Because there's, there's just something in our mind that we have to feel like, I'm going to do what I was just told not to do. But God is looking out for us. God has established parameters, and he will keep us and protect us when we stay in those parameters. Sometimes, even when we go outside the parameters, he still protects us. And even when we go far outside those parameters, he still protects us just to tell us, get back where I can truly protect you. He, it doesn't say that he went to Abram and said, Abram, go up there and tell Pharaoh that that's your wife. No. Why? Because Abram's mind said he was in fear. And because he was in fear, God could not speak to him. So he had to go to Pharaoh and say, dude, you're going to die. And Pharaoh was like, I ain't dying. What's going on? And he told him how to fix it. So this is the reality I want us to understand by looking at what just happened. This is the reality. Being blessed does not mean that you're not going to go through hardship. I'm going to have to say it one more time. Amen. 
The reality is that being blessed does not mean that you will not go through hardship. Let me tell you one more time. Being uh, blessed does not mean that you will not go through hardship. The hardships have a tendency to reveal the depth of our faith and also of our dysfunction. Let me, let me say this part. I meant to say it earlier. Let me just click back to my mind. All of us have a level of dysfunction. We all do not function perfectly. All of us have a level of dysfunction. It's how we utilize that dysfunction and do not let that dysfunction then become a hindrance for us to do the will of God. So Abraham's actions show, that, show us that in the moment that he doubted that God would come through, he didn't believe that God was going to protect him in Egypt, so he had to protect himself because I want to be great, I want to have descendants, but I got to protect myself because it don't look like God's going to do it. So he valued himself much more than his wife. Hey, Sarah, you just say you did my sister. Uh, oh, y'all going to take her? All right. Y'all going to give me this stuff? All right. Thank y'all. What's that? We say deuces. Have a good one. All right. And then we may, we may look at this and we may be like, hey, you, you messed this all up. But now what has God promised you and what has God told you to do and have something to come alongside that, that you need in order for this, to, this promise to happen and you're ready to cut the promise, the, uh, the, the thing loose that's part of the promise because Abram, can't, Abram is, can't have babies himself. He needs a wife in order to have the babies. And so we sometimes start trying to cut stuff loose without first saying, God, what is it that I need to be doing? Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's easy for us to look at the dysfunction of somebody else, right? But then when they hold that mirror up, we, we, we start getting uh, double vision, claustrophobic, um, What's the, what's the things? The glaucoma all of a sudden shows up. We can't see no more because we don't want to look at our dysfunction. We're perfect. We ain't nothing wrong with us. But if we look at this, the father of our faith, the father, the example for us to walk in faith has dysfunction. The father, the one that is supposed to be our example of how to walk in faith had issues. But what we have to do is we have to pull ourselves in and realize that even when fear tries to overshadow us, that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, don't lean on our own understanding, acknowledge him in all our ways, he will direct our paths. But I got a problem when I'm going through a situation with trusting in the Lord. Because it seems like the Lord's not there. And if the Lord's not there, then guess what? I got to defend myself. I got to make this happen. I got to do this. And I'm going to do it. And this looks like the way to do it. And I, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Yes, yes. 
And so we have to realize that if we don't acknowledge God in everything, everything, everything I mean, we won't say it our way, everything, well, if we don't do it, then there's possibilities, there's situations that we will have to be rescued from when it didn't even have to be that way. We could have been further down the road. We could have been in a new direction. We could have been going to a higher level of blessing. But no, we got to start all the way back over from the beginning because we didn't understand or catch a hold of the lesson that we had to learn before we could go on to the next level. So Abram, we got a little bit of Abram in all of us. Abram... Okay, baby, I'll go with that. Abram is not only the father of our faith, but he is an example of how we act. God has promised that if we're faithful to him, he'll be faithful to us. And we say, yes, Lord, I'll do it, but as long as it's comfortable. If it gets this comfortable, then I need to do it myself because I need comfort. I know many of y'all have not had to sleep in the rain with only a, a thin piece of cloth or thin piece of plastic to cover yourself up. I know some of y'all have not had to walk in the middle of the night with no lights and not sure if you're walking up a hill or down a hill or if you're getting ready to jump, fall into a creek because you can't see anything. Y'all haven't had to go through those type of things. But the one thing that you learn when you do that, you learn how to step carefully. You learn how to be careful. We was, one night we was getting ready, we was doing some, um, some stuff, and we was walking up, doing some training, and I was tired, man. I ain't going to lie to you, I was tired. And I was up there, and we stopped for a little quick little rest, and next thing I know, I looked around, everybody had left me. Now, I ain't know what direction everybody went in. So I sat down there, and I said, now I can go back to the base camp, but, okay, I need to find. So then I got a call on the radio. Where are you at? And I was just like, I'm, I'm still back at the, the rest site. And they was like, okay. And they came back and policed me up. I got in trouble for it because I fell asleep. But anyway, <laughs> the problem is sometimes when we get into a situation that we know we're not supposed to be in, we try to fix it. Now, I was like, I ain't going to try to fix this because if I go back and I run into the other team, then I'm going to have to end up fighting because they're going to be like, oh, this is the enemy, and I don't need to be fighting nobody in the middle of the night. So sometimes we have to just stay there. If he would have stayed in Canaan, even in the midst of the famine, he would have seen God do something that he had never seen God do before. But no, he said, you know what, we're going to load up the truck, we're going to move to Egypt. And so how many times have we said things that weren't true and we said it in such a way because we were just trying to save ourselves. We were just trying to avoid confrontation. How, you know, I, I, I really don't want to go through this. So I, 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 I got chewed out so bad. But the thing was, I was like, I ain't moving because if I, if I get more lost and I'm ripped, they're going to laugh. You know what I'm saying? So we have to realize that God puts us in a place. When God puts us in a place, he knows where you are. Yeah. 
He knows everything that's going on. God knew that Canaan was getting ready to have a famine. You see what I'm saying? God already knew that there was going to be a famine in Canaan. And so, I need you to go to Canaan. This is the land. Well, we got a famine. I need to, I need to, I need to, go, I need to go where there's not no famine. But then it created, perpetually, it created more issues. And then here comes, here, this is one of the notes I wanted to make sure I said. How many times have we said, I ain't going to do that again. I ain't going to do that. Oh, I learned. I ain't going to do that again. And it come back around, and what do we do? We do it again. And then what we say, man. Man, they come around again, and you say, I ain't going to do it, I ain't going to do it, I ain't going uh, to do it once. <laughs> Paul said, the things that I would do, I don't do them things. I always want to do the things that I ain't supposed to be doing. Who can help me? Who can rescue me from this disposition that I'm in where my mind and my body and my spirit are having this battle, causing this dysfunction, this disconnection, and now what do I do? It says, thou there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. I know it's the other way around, but I just had to do it. I got to say, if we walk after the spirit, we will stay in connection with the Father. And so if we are in Christ and we, and we have these blessings and we have this freedom, this liberty in Christ, and, and we got the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and the promises of God to look forward to, why do we still fall like Abram did? Why do we do that? Why? The Bible tells us that we're dead to sin. And it's true. We're no longer under the reign of sin in our lives because of what Jesus has done for us. But we have to realize that there's a process that this flesh has to go through so that it can grab hold of that which God has called us to. Our mind has to be constantly Renewed. It has to be reset. Sometimes back in the old days, when computers first came out, every once in a while, you had to, you couldn't just leave it on. You had to reset it because it would go ahead and clear out all the memory, clear out everything, and restart from fresh. Restart from scratch. Sometimes we have to do that with our mind. We got to. Get in that word and, and let it go through our minds so it can find those old ways of doing things and kind of reset, kind of restart and reset it. Remember, we can never forget anything that has come into us all through our five senses. But what we can do is put provisions in the way, in the place, so that we do not fall into the same trap that we fell before. So when we slip, when we fall, it ain't God. The Bible says that when we slip and fall to temptation, it's because of our own desires. Yes. Some of us, some of the temptations that some of us see, 
It's not, it's not a temptation for me. So it doesn't present itself. Uh, 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 so what causes me to fall is something that I desire to have. Abram wanted to live. I ain't got a problem with Abram wanting to live, but he was taking his desire to live, setting it over the covenant that he had with God. That's a problem. So either we got these evil desires trying to pull on us, or we got the, the, the devil coming against us. We got uh, different things attacking us. But one thing that we have to realize is that if God has called you to it, he's going to see you through it. Amen. So we, sometimes when we hear God tell us something, sometimes when we hear something to declare, we always forget that it ain't as easy as we think, it, as we want it to be. Yeah, let me say it like that. It ain't as easy as we want it to be. Sometimes it has a struggle in it because we have to work through sin. We have to put sin in its place, which is out of our system, away from us, and walk in the spirit. So sometimes our failures can complicate our situations. They can cause hurt. They can put in uh, consequences that we really don't want to have to deal with. But because of our decisions, things we can still go through. But, but I want to let you know that even in the midst of these types of dysfunction, there's still grace. There's still blessings. And yes, we can say, thanks be to God. Because the grace and the blessing is something that we as believers should be embracing. We can look at our, the, 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 the innermost parts of our brokenness and, and we can see that even in the turmoil, there's blessing. That's why at the end of the service, we, we repeat Philippians 4 and 8 because it's very important to what we think about when we're going through the thing that we're going through. Because if we think about the adverse results of what we're going through, we will be in a bad shape mentally and emotionally. But if we start thinking on those things that are true, those things that are lovely, those things that are a good report, those things that are holy, as we start thinking on those things, it causes us not to be pulled down by the situation we're going through, but we begin to elevate our eyes. And the, uh, the writer of Psalms says, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help, because my help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And so when we look at those things and we begin to move in those things and even in the midst of us uh, 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 trying to give a, a part of our promise in order to preserve ourselves, God has a way of coming in. And, and this, is, this is the last thing I'm going to say today. This is the last thing. If you notice, the Pharaoh did not say, give me my stuff back. Then he just said, get out. <laughs> you and all your stuff, no. get out. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. now I'm thinking, I probably would have said, 
All that stuff I gave you for this woman, you need to give me my stuff back. But no, because even in the midst of the situation, his dysfunction, God still worked a blessing out of it to show him I'm still with you even in the midst of your crazy dumbness and ignorance. Because that's how God, if God gives you a promise, guess what? It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. And so when we are dealing with this function, whether it's in our family, whether it's in ourselves, when we know something's not going the way it's supposed to, supposed to, our first reaction should be, let me talk to the manufacturer. Let me talk to the manufacturer. When something's broke, isn't that what we do? We call the helpline. We say, hey, my television ain't working. What code is it showing? It's showing this code. Well, press A, C, and D, and you should be good. Oh, that's all I got to do? Yeah, you press A, C, and D, your television comes back on. So now, what we need to do when we know we're operating in this function, our spouse is operating in this function, our kids are operating in this function, everybody's operating in this function, the first thing we do is call the manufacturer. Let's call the help desk. Father, what is it that I need to do in this situation? Do I need to offer all them up and preserve myself? No. This is what you need to stay where I told you to be. And you need to example for them so they can walk through this situation. Because if we don't do it God's way, we don't get God's results. Amen. So today, that's all I wanted to hit y'all with. I just wanted to let y'all know that we have this responsibility to hold on to what God has promised us to do. And sometimes when we get excited about the promise, we can run along and miss what God is really telling us to do. God says, I'm going to make you ruler over this land. And we run to the land, but is somebody already there? And then we have some lack show up in the land. And so then we decide, I'm going somewhere else. So you're out of where God told you to be, and he still causes you. Y'all, I want y'all to realize that. He left, went to Egypt, got blessed out of Egypt with more cattle, more service, more, more everything, and then he had to go back to Canaan with more. Yes. Even in the midst of his ignorance, even in the midst of his acting up, God still worked it out for him. But now I don't want you to be sitting up there talking about I'm going to be disobedient because God's going to bless my disobedience. There's a consequence that comes with disobedience. Now, sometimes, I told you I was done, but now something just came to my mind. Sometimes, you thought you got over. I remember one time, I love talking about my family. I remember one time, my brother, y'all met him, got himself in a little trouble. Mom told me, I'm going to whoop you. And so he thought he was good. Well, later on that night, mm. Mama came in that room. Now, see, the problem was we slept in a twin bed. Him and I slept in a twin bed together. And I would got out that bed as quick after about the first two hits that didn't hit him. 
I got out that bed so quick. And I was just sitting there like, ready, get it, ready. Because mom was like, I told you. Y'all, y'all know how the comedians make fun of mama's whooping? That's, they got that all from my mama. She, she used every syllable with every hit, all that stuff. All that stuff. Reggie, my brother used to get some good whoopings, boy. Good whoopings. But anyway, but that's, but, but that's, that's what happens. There is a consequence to disobedience. But the thing about God's grace is you don't always get what you should have got. You might just get a little tap on the hand, a little slap on the backside when you should have been gotten a beating. But God says, you know what? You're fine. Let me take care of you. Don't do it. Let it happen again, even though he knows what you're going to do. So we have to realize that we all have some dysfunction. And like our title says, it's the old stories. It's the same problem. And in spite of, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of us falling, God still brings blessing into that situation. Yes. Yes. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Mm. With that being said, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, even in the you. It doesn't matter. You can't drink too much. You can't smoke too much. You can't cuss too much. You can't do too much of nothing that will cause God not to accept you. God accepts you right where you are. Wherever it is, God is right there to accept you. Now, the process by which this acceptance occurs is that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, which means that you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and you and if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. And so it requires a confession of your mouth. It requires a belief in your heart. And the Bible says you shall be saved means rescued, delivered from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our whole desire is for you to have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We want that for you. We want God to work that in you. But you have to make that decision. And if you have made that decision for the first time today. We want you to know that this is not a single person event. This is actually a team event. And we'll come alongside you and assist you along this journey. That is why we come together to encourage one another, to help one another, to assist one another, to become all that God has desired and wants for us to be. So if you have made that decision, we want you to let us know by emailing us at info at godshousecc.com. That's info at godshousecc.com. And we will respond back, come alongside you, assist you with what is necessary for you to become all that God has called for you to be. Because everybody has a calling from God. Well, friends and family, that's episode number one of our series, Dysfunctional. Old stories, same problem. 
We're going to stay in Abraham's family. I mean, I'm sorry. He's still Abram right now. We're going to stay in Abram's family for a little while longer. Because if this wasn't Abram, it's, it's a whole lot of mess going on in this family. But he is still the father of our faith. Amen. So episode number one is in the books in spite of. It's completed and done. And next week we're going to come together and we're going to talk about, uh, trying to remember now. Being blessed in the mess, I think it's the title. No, bless this mess. I had to look at my other notes. Bless this mess is the title for episode number two. Bless this mess. So please, catch us either on YouTube, catch us on Facebook, or come to 642 Fairview Road, 10 a.m. on Sunday, and catch it firsthand. With that being said, until next week. God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.